This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. the temple. Sometimes we have things in our way where we can't see the Lord and we need to ask the Lord to open up the eyes of our heart so we can see him. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you, praise team. God bless you, music ministry. Thank you so much for that beautiful music. I, I stand to honor my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my heavenly Father who is above the Holy Spirit who is within me. I thank you, my brothers and sisters, for your time here in this building, and I thank you for those of you who are worshiping with us online. What a privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord again one more time. You know why I say that? Because somebody wishes they could be here, but they can't. Amen. You know, somebody laid down last night all right, but when they woke up this morning, they had some things wrong with them, and they couldn't be here. But you ought to give real praise to God because he woke you up this morning and he brought you out to the house of the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I do praise the Lord. I love to worship the Lord. I love to worship him. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to prolong the time. I'm going to do what God sent me here to do today, and that's just speak a word. So I'll be talking from John, the fourth chapter. I'm going to re be reading uh, quite a bit of text. Now, the reason I'm reading it is because sometimes as preachers, we think that everybody knows the Bible and they know all the stories of the Bible, when in fact they don't. So as I talk to you about this text, I want you to have read it or heard it yourself so you can make connections for yourself. Here we go, John 4. Uh, and I'm reading out, excuse me, brothers and sisters, from the New King James Version. Therefore, when Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now the well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, or noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. 
Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than the, our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, whosoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Then the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you said, well, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband, and that you truly speak. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, I like it when he calls a woman. He said, woman, believe me that the hour is coming when you will neither enter, neither uh, on this mountain, let me say that again, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You know, you worship what you do not know. We worship for we are, for salvation is of the Jews in Jesus' name. But the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the Father is seeking such to worship him. Now God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Open our eyes, Lord. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of that woman who had testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed with them for two days. And many more believed because of his own words. Then the woman said to him, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Won't you pray with me for just one moment? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time, this moment. And I ask you, God, that let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart 
be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. Holy Spirit, I know I can do nothing without you. So I ask you to move, God, to anoint these lips of clay, to speak forth your word with great boldness and authority, that you would get all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. And God, I pray for those who are listening, those who are in the building and those online, that God, when we hear your word, we will take it into our hearts and we will not just be hearers of your word, but we will be doers of your word because therein lies change and difference. Father, thank you so much. You're so good. You're so merciful and so kind. I yield, I yield, I yield. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For a topic this morning, brothers and sisters, I want to use the tipping point. The tipping point. I take my topic from a book written by Malcolm Gladwell entitled The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference. The tipping point, brothers and sisters, is the point at which a series of small changes or incidents become significant enough to cause a larger, more important change. May I read that to you again? The tipping point is the point at which a series of small changes or incidents become significant enough to change, to cause a larger, more important change. Then Malcolm Gladwell goes on to tell a story in his book about the comeback of Hush Puppy Shoes. Some of us know what Hush Puppy Shoes are. The Wolverine Company began manufacturing Hush Puppies in 1958. For years, people of all ages loved and enjoyed wearing comfortable Hush Puppy shoes. But by the early 1990s, the shoes went from selling millions per year to only 300,000 per year. And the company was considering dropping the brand. But Gladwell explains that something happened which became the tipping point for Hush Puppies. He said the company received word uh, that there were kids down in Greenwich, Greenwich Village, Village rather, wearing their shoes. And he said that he heard that the mom and pop stores were selling out of hush puppies. So fashion designers, uh, you know Isaac Misarahi, if you've not heard of him, he began wearing the shoes. And in 1995, famous designers were using hush puppies in their spring and fall collections. In Hollywood, celebrities like, you know, some of us will remember Pee Wee Herman, remember him? Were wearing Hush Puppy shoes. Hush Puppies, again, had become all the rage. In 1995, the brand sold over 430,000 pairs. In 1996, Hush Puppies won the Best Accessory Award from the Council of Fashion Designers. Hush Puppies were 100% back and the company really had nothing to do with it. It had to do with a handful of cool kids down in Manhattan wearing hush puppies, and they wore those shoes just because they wanted to be different. So hush puppies went from almost a dead brand to being sold in all of the malls across America in just a space of two years. So that, my brothers and sisters, was the tipping point for hush puppies. Now Gladwell says in his book that there are three characteristics 
of a tipping point. Point one, little causes can have a big effect. Point two, change happens not gradually, but one dramatic moment. And, ch and number three, change can be contagious. And brother and sisters, I can see all of these characteristics at work in the story of the woman at the well. So can we talk about the text now? Let's look at the text. Jesus has left Judea. He's headed to Galilee. But Jesus has to make a pit stop in Samaria. The scripture says that he needed to go to Samaria. And that's really significant to talk about Jesus in Samaria. Because Jews really, not go to, really did not go to or through Samaria. They would literally pass around the city to get to where they were going because they wanted to have nothing to do with Samaritans. They avoided them at every cost. Why was that? Well, it's because Jews were Puritans. They were elitist. Do you know any elitist people with their nose up in the air and there are certain people they won't talk to because they feel like they're high and lifted up? Well, Jews were elitist. You see, brothers and sisters, Samaritans were a biracial people. They were Jews, but they were mixed breed of Jews. They were Jews who had been conquered by the Assyrians and deported to other lands. Consequently, they married with foreign people and they adopted foreign religious practices. So Jews wanted nothing to do with Samaritans because Samaritans were not pure Jews. But that didn't seem to matter to Jesus because Jesus was on a mission and he had to uh, go through Samaria and the text said he went through. And point number one in this text, little causes have big effects. Now the journey from Judea was 40 miles and Jesus had been walking and on his way and he's tired when he gets to Samaria. So he takes time to rest by this well. And according to the text, it was 12 noon. And you know at 12 noon, that's the hottest time of the day. He rested at 12 noon, and he had sent his disciples into the town to buy food, so he was there alone. As he was sitting, a Samaritan woman arrived to draw water from the well. Now, what's important about this is that Jesus began to talk to this woman. Now, I love that about Jesus, because Jesus, in that moment, broke protocol. Mm -hmm. Jesus broke protocol by talking to this woman and just asking her for a drink of water. Because this woman was very surprised that Jesus would ask her because he was a Jew. You know, Jews are elitist, and they don't talk to certain people. But Jesus was a Jew, and he was talking to this woman. She said, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. What are you doing talking to me? And she knew Jewish tradition. She knew that in the custom of Jews, men did not talk to women in public. Amen. Amen. But Jesus was talking to this woman. Not only was she not a Jew, she was a Samaritan woman. Now, I know some of you have heard the parable of the Good Samaritan. Well, Good Samaritan to Jews is an oxymoron. Because in Jewish culture, there was nothing good about a Samaritan. Amen. But Jesus began to talk to this woman at the well. 
And Jesus knew all the customs of the Jewish people because he was one. But I love that Jesus defied customs and began to talk to this woman. And I love it that Jesus talked to women in the Bible. Jesus talked to the woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years. Jesus talked to the woman who was bent over for 18 years. Jesus talked to a Syrophoenician woman because her daughter was sick. And then Jesus talked to Mary Magdalene at the tomb and told her, go and tell my disciples that I am risen. Jesus talked to women. How do I know? Because Jesus talked to me. Hallelujah to Jesus. Jesus asked her one simple question. He said, give me a drink. The little cause was this woman came to the well to draw water because she needed it. But the big effect is that she met Jesus there. Hallelujah. How many of you know that if you meet Jesus, something happens? <laughs> All at once, something happens. Hallelujah. I almost want to do a little dance right there. Almost want to do a little dance right there. Something happens. <laughs> Point number two, change happens not gradually, but at one dramatic moment. Jesus asked for a drink of water, but this woman objected. She said, now, I'm a, I'm, I am a Samaritan woman. You're asking me for a drink. And Jesus said to her, he, didn't even, he ignored what she said. He said, woman, if you knew the gift that God has for you, if you knew who you were talking to, you would have asked me, and I would have given you living water. Hallelujah, living water. But she still didn't get it. She thought Jesus was talking about that water and that well. She said, you don't have anything to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? And then she questioned his authority, questioned his position. Are you higher or greater than our father Jacob who gave us this world? This well, rather. And the thing that I love about Jesus is Jesus didn't say a word about Jacob. Because was, he wasn't there to talk about Jacob or answer any of her questions. He came there to give her a gift. Amen. Instead, Jesus said to her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. That's why my feet get light. And that's all right. Because you know what? When, when the Spirit of God comes, you want to move. And the old folks used to say, I wouldn't have a religion that I didn't feel sometime. Amen. Amen. You got to feel. If the Holy Spirit is in you, he's going to move through you. Hallelujah. Now, after Jesus said it, talked to her the second time, I think she got it. Because she said, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come to this well again. Brothers and sisters, how many of you know that Jesus wasn't talking about the water in that well? Uh-uh. But Jesus was talking about the water of salvation. Jesus was talking about the water of redemption. Jesus was talking about the water of a new life. Sir, give me this water. And it seems that Jesus ignored her request because he changed the topic altogether. He said, go get your husband 
and bring him here. Now, why would Jesus do that to her? She had gotten all excited to get this water, and she asked for the water, and Jesus said, go get your husband. And I know she was really confused because she's asking about water. He's asking me about my husband. Now, can you imagine the disappointment she might have felt? Husband, what does he have to do with anything? And besides that, she knew that she didn't have a husband. She knew that the man that she was with, she was in a situation, brothers and sisters. And she knew that. And maybe she didn't want Jesus to know. And as hard as it was for her to say it, I believe she hung herself and hung her head, rather, and she confessed, I have no husband. Now, that was good news to the ears of Jesus because Jesus loves it when you tell the truth. Amen. And this was this sister's moment of confession. Don't you know that when we came to Christ, we confessed our sins? Yeah, before we received him, we said, I'm a sinner and I want to be saved. Jesus, forgive me, cleanse me, and make me whole. This is this woman's moment of confession. I have no husband. And Jesus said, you said truly. He said, but don't worry. He said, you said right. You don't have, you've had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. Jesus knew this woman's life was a mess. Yeah, Jesus knew that. She had had five husbands. Think about that, sisters. Five men she had to please and kowtow to. Five different egos, five different personalities, five different men she had to deal with. All the effort and pain of trying to be that person for that man five different times. Can you imagine the hurt and low self-esteem and feeling not good enough this woman had? Whether she was married five times because of divorce or widowhood, I don't know. But I know that she's been married five times and now she's shacking up. That's not all about her, brothers and sisters. This woman had a reputation with the town. That's why she was coming to the well at noontime. Because the custom was that women of the city went to the well early in the morning before the sun came up because it was going to be hot at noon. They went early in the morning to get all of the water they would need for the day. But this woman was coming at noontime. You know why? Because she tried coming early in the morning, but the women of the town did not like or trust her. They gossiped and whispered about her. They called her names. She's a man chaser. She's a home worker. She's immoral. She's unprincipled. She's indecent. And this woman was tired of the gossip. She was tired of being stared at, tired of being pointed. She's tired of all of the talk. So she decided rather than coming early in the morning, I'm going to come. I would might as well. I would rather come in the heat of the day than going through that degradation on a daily basis. And that's not all about her. This woman is sandwiched between. The Jews didn't want to have anything to do with her because of her mixed breed. The Samaritans didn't want to have anything to do with her because of her reputation. Nobody wanted to be bothered with this woman except Jesus. <laughs> when you know when Jesus is all you got, you know that Jesus is all you need. Amen. Nobody wanted to be bothered with her but Jesus. I have no husbands. That was her truth. And Jesus, brothers and sisters, love it when you tell the truth. See, he knows everything about you. And whether you tell the truth or not, he knows you. 
And so you might as well be honest with yourself and others because you, you know you will find a level of respect when you're honest with yourself and when you're honest with others. Who likes a liar? Who can trust a liar? But when you tell the truth, oh my, even if your truth is a bad truth, the Lord has a way of healing you and making you whole. You can fool some of the people some of the time. And you can fool all the people some of the time. But you know what? You cannot fool Jesus any of the time. Amen. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Change happens not gradually, but one dra dramatic moment. And this is this sister's dramatic moment. What she did not know was that the moment she asked Jesus for water, he gave it to her. Just like when we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we not, may not feel any different. He said, if any man be in Christ, you're a new creature. The old things are past and the new things are come. Now you may not look different. If you had a water on your nose before you got saved, it's still gonna be on there after you got saved. But the change doesn't come from without, it comes from within. And this woman did not know it, but when she asked him, Give me this drink. Give me this water. He gave it to her, though he didn't say those words, because he wanted to give her a moment to confess her sins. Hallelujah. Amen. This woman had received her salvation. She had received redemption, and she had received a new life. Now, all the conversation after that that Jesus had with this woman was for her spiritual growth. Because this woman began to talk, to talk about worship. And how many of you know worship is important to God? Yeah. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Why? I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. If you do not know how to worship God, read the Psalms. David will teach you how to worship God. And you know David had a lot of troubles in his life, but David knew how to worship God. And brothers and sisters, there, there are two times that you should worship God. When you feel like it and when you don't. Amen. When you feel like it and when you don't. Hallelujah. She said to Jesus, Jesus, the Jews worship in Jerusalem and we worship on this mountain. Jesus, when one, in one ear and out the other, Jesus said, listen, let me tell you what true worship is. It doesn't matter where you worship. It matters who you worship and it matters how you worship. He said, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. He said, the Father is looking for those. The eyes of the Lord are seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Yes, yeah, not form or fashion, but it's in your heart, this melody of love divine. It's in your heart that Jesus is my. And so it is easy if you love the Lord, I love the Lord. He heard my cry. Oh, you know that, don't you? I, I love the Lord. 
can't do it like y'all can do it, but you know you got it, don't you? When you love him like that, it's easy to worship him. He's looking for those who will worship him. And he said, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And that's why I love that song they sang this morning. Open my eyes, Lord. Hallelujah. Open my eyes so I can see you high and lifted up. Oh, glory to God. So I can see you. And brothers and sisters, worship is more than what we do on Sunday morning. You know that, don't you? Worship is a way of life. Worship is giving your God your best anytime and all the time. Worship is you giving God all that you are. See, because listen, we all he wants is you. Let me just leave it right there. God wants you because when he has you, he can use you to do his work. And how many of you know, amen, that God needs workers in this vineyard? Amen. God is looking for those. Are you a worshiper? Hallelujah. I'm not asking you. You know that in your heart. Are you a worshiper? Hallelujah. I'm not asking you to raise your hand because God knows. And this woman, I'm almost done, said, I know when the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. I love the way Jesus dropped a bomb on her. Yes, he did. He said, the one that you are talking to, I am the Messiah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Do you know that this is the first person in the scripture that God declared, that Jesus declared, I'm the Messiah. First one in the, a woman, y'all. Not just a woman, but a Samaritan woman. She wasn't a Jew. She was an outcast. She was something, someone that nobody wanted to be bothered with. But Jesus said to her, I'm the Messiah. I'm telling you that that blew her mind. She left her water pot there. She ran into the city and said, come see a man. <laughs> he told me everything that I've done. Could this be the Christ? Change my brothers and sisters is contagious. I said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. Yeah, you remember that song, don't you? Said I wasn't going to tell nobody, but I couldn't keep it to myself. This woman could not keep it to herself. She ran into a town of people who saw her as an outcast, as whatever they called her, and she could not help but to tell the story. They came running to Jesus asking what must I do to have some of that water you told her everything tell me some things <laughs> and Jesus I love him I love him I love him he stayed there in that city for two days to minister to those people so what am I saying is that when you that every day if you invite, have invited Jesus into your life every day, he wants to speak to you. If you are a father or a parent, let me say it like this, in this house, and you treat your children well, how much more will your heavenly father treat you well? How much more when you ask your heavenly father a question, will he answer your question? 
Jesus wants to talk to us. And sometimes Jesus is talking to us, but we don't want to listen. Because he's saying things to us that we don't want to hear. We give Jesus the hand. Ah, because we want him to talk our talk and walk our walk. But guess what? He's not having it. He wants to pull you to him, not him to you. He wants to, you to draw nigh to him. Amen. The tipping point is a point at which a series of small changes or incidents becomes significant enough to cause a larger, more important change. Jesus met a woman at the well. Jesus gave her water. Once she received the water, she ran into the town and told everybody. And then those in the town received Christ also. You and me, brothers and sisters, are tipping point for somebody. Yeah. First African Baptist is a tipping point for Savannah. Yeah. But if we are not doing our work, okay, I don't have to finish the sentence, too. How will folks see Jesus if they don't see Jesus in us? How many people you know, amen, who are even in the church that pick up their Bible and read it every day? Don't say nothing. I'll keep my eyes closed. Yeah, how many of you know? How many of us read every day? How many of us pray every day? That's between you and your master and your savior. But I know that when you do, he will create such a change in you that you have to tell somebody. The little causes can have a big effect. Change happens not gradually, but one dramatic moment. Change can be contagious. My change came at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. It was Calvary. Well, Jesus died, and he rose again on the third day. And he rose again, brothers and sisters, so you and me could have a right to live the life of Christ in this earth. And I don't have to tell you about Calvary, because your pastor tells you every Sunday how he died, how he was there for three days. But early on Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. And he declared to us, listen, whoever comes unto me, I'll receive you unto myself. God loves you, brothers and sisters. God bless you. God keep you. Amen. Hallelujah. What a word. What a word. Tipping point. You've heard the message of God on today. If you're here today and you realize you need this relationship with the Lord, I know someone saying, I'm not good enough to be with those church people. I'm not good enough to be with those righteous folk. But look at Jesus, how he loves you, how he loves me, how he loves us. We all have sinned and have come, fallen short. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. On today, you can come on today. You ask the Lord to open the eyes of your heart. If your eyes are open to your heart and you said, I need the Lord in my life. If you're in this building, we give you an opportunity just to walk down, give us your hand, and you give God your heart.
student member orientation. We'll have it online on November the 2nd at 6.30 and November the 9th at 6.30 and November the 16th. Contact the church office. We'll give you that information again. If you've been, we've come to be a member and have not received orientation, we have it in place for you. Again, we thank you. We thank God for you coming to worship with us. We want to thank our preacher of the hour again. God bless you. 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 As we prepare to leave after the benediction, we're asking that you would just take a seat again, those in the building, just take a seat and let the ushers direct you out. Let us go downstairs or let us go outside and receive the, the, uh, the fish fry. Let's receive our nourishments and others who may be joining us receive nourishments and then we're going to the polls to vote if you have not already done early voting. So by next Sunday, we'll know that everybody connected with First Africa would have done early voting. There's enough people left in the world, in Georgia and every place else, to vote on Tuesday, the 8th. But right now, we all can get it out of the way. So we ask us to please do that as we leave. What a word, what a word. We're going to ask our, our preacher of the morning, this woman of God, to come and give us our benediction. And as she does, after the benediction, please be seated. And then we will ask you to leave as the ushers escort you out. We will eat. We will go vote. We will fellowship as we vote. And again, those who are going to Macon right after voting, we have to leave no later than about 1230-ish. Amen. About 1230-ish heading to the Macon area. So we could be on time. God bless you. Thank you. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. And may the Lord give you peace. May he give you peace. May he give you peace. Amen. connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website firstafricanbc.com You may also contribute through an app called Givelify G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.